Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 40th episode, that's 4-0, we've got Chad Erfelding, an artist that lives out in Idaho. And Chad just finished up a residency from the summer, so we talked at great length about a, a collaborative project that he did out there. And then, of course, went back and re-examined all of the things that led up to that project. How he came there through all of this other work, and especially how mapping and process and especially the conceptual side of his process leads to all of his art making and all of his explorations. So without a doubt, it's a great interview. I think you'll enjoy that. But once again, you can check us out on iTunes, so please subscribe there. And once again, please leave us some feedback. We've got one, one person that's left feedback. So again, if you like this, please go there and leave us some feedback. Help us out with the rankings there. Once again, you can check us out at studiobreak.com, where you can see a slideshow of all the different artists that we've had and check out different audio podcasts. So we hope that you do that and that you also share it if you like it, because sharing is caring. And lastly, if you could just go ahead and like us on Facebook, we provide a number of previews for upcoming guests and past guests and all sorts of good stuff there. So please check us out there and like us. So without further ado, here is Chad Erbelding. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. I am happy to be um, interviewing Chad Erpelding this morning. How are you doing, Chad? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm pretty good. You know, I've got some green tea going and, um, you know, just excited to catch up and, and uh, you know, get get the whole story about Chad Erpelding. Um, and, you know, as always, I, I, I kind of try to start at the beginning and um, I, I, I want to say that you were... Um, from the the west coast, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm I'm not sure. So correct me on that. Where where are you from, Chad? And, and could you I'm give us a background? Gosh, so, there we go. No, that's not the west coast. It's uh, yeah. I'm from a small town in northern Iowa called Algona, Iowa. About six thousand people. It's a little farming community. Could you just talk a little bit about, I guess, uh, some experiences growing up in there? Um, you know what your interests were as a as a child. Uh, if uh, art was something that was something that came early, or if uh, it was more of the, uh, you know, the basketball, volleyball kind of stuff? <laughs> uh, it was uh, not a lot of, as far as like formal training of art, um, I didn't have that growing up. I drew all the time. I drew cartoons and, you know, those things that kids draw. Um, I think in high school, I loved drawing like a band logos and things like that, and I would make posters of my favorite bands and different things. Um, so I always loved drawing, but it was never a thing that I took that seriously growing up as far as like a, as a career or a, a true passion. It just seemed, it just seemed fun. Um, so my interests were more, I don't, I don't even know how I'd categorize them. I mean, I got, I, I always loved music, so I, I participated in band and, and, uh, different, uh, experiences like that. I also did sports. I, I ran track um, pretty competitively, I ran track in college for a couple of years as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, just kind of, uh, when I think back of it, it just seems pretty normal as far as for Iowa. Sure, sure. Well, and, you know, I, I think especially with someone that, I don't know, has, has so many uh, uh, varied interests and in, in so many things, you know, I, I can't help but wonder, you know, what, what are those things that really kind of inform who someone is later on down the road or, you know things that right. you kind of just brush over that, you know, it's, it's not until you really get in the thick of it where you start thinking about all these things. But, um, and so what, when did you wind up, um, I guess really kind of investigating art in a, in a more, I guess, serious manner than, uh, than these posters and, you know, promoting your, your bands. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> right. The Urple dance. Um, so, uh, it was my sophomore year in college when I took my first art class. Um, and so, and it, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, before that I was thinking I would go into business, um, that I would do probably accounting cause that came pretty naturally for me. Uh, and it's, it's what a lot of my family actually does. My, my father, my mother, my father is an accountant. My mother was a, a bookkeeper. Um, and my, uh, brother is a financial director so um like it's very much part of my family growing up was ideas of business um so it was i think about halfway through my freshman year that i 
just you know once you're on your own and, and you can really start to think of things from a distance from your from your upbringing uh, it just it just no longer seemed like a good fit and so um, when I finally took that art class it just seemed like a really good fit I would say I was never I, I would say that I uh, didn't really become serious about it though until I was a senior in college and then even that was just kind of back and forth for a few years as far as being serious or not about it was it was it kind of like a the, the traditional kind of variety of, of arts that you took or was there a particular method of working that you kind of gravitated towards or was it you know, just kind of exploring these things since it was, you know, a new option, I guess. Yeah, it was mostly painting and drawing that I was really pulled towards. Um, so I went to a really small college, just a private college outside of Des Moines, Iowa, um, in Pella, Iowa, called Central College. Uh, I think they have, well, when I was there, it was like uh, 1,600 students, maybe. Uh, I was one of two art majors in my class. Uh, so it was... Uh, a pretty modest program. Um, I'm not sure what it's like now, but this is, you know, early 90s. So, um, and so uh, when I was there, I, I, I gravitated much more towards the painting and drawing uh, than the uh, kind of 3D side of things. It, just, it was just more natural for me. If I'm not mistaken, and I could, I've already been wrong with uh, being on the West Coast, so maybe, maybe it... Maybe I'll totally screw this one up. Um, I don't. I, from what I remember, I, I think that you took a little bit of a break between your undergraduate studies and your graduate studies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I took a pretty long break. I took about seven years in between. Um, so I graduated. You know, I, I, I went quickly through college. I think that kind of happens when you go to the small private liberal arts colleges that you can get everything accomplished within four years, and that's what I did. Um, so I graduated when I was 22. Uh, and uh, after that, I wandered around quite a bit, um, and uh, just had a wanted to have a lot of different experiences. And so, then we can talk about that as we go to just kind of how those experiences, because those experiences after uh, college were much more influential in what I'm doing now and how I'm thinking about things now than my experiences before. I would say. Well, and is that something that you think would work then in terms of just uh, sharing some stories? Because you know, I, I think that. You know, it's it's just interesting because, as I was saying to you before this podcast, um, so many people find their ways to doing what they're doing, and in so many different variations. You know, and um, it seems like uh, life experience is such an important aspect of uh, figuring out what you want to do. And um, you know, I, I know that you've also listed some of them on your your CV, if I'm not mistaken. That is true. Yes. Um, so yeah. So really, the big experiences I had right after right after I graduated, um, was uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail and uh, riding a bicycle across North America. Um, and they were both very different experiences from each other, but very um, eye-opening as far as, like, um, hiking uh, really uh, helped me mature and helped me find a different sense of uh, kind of self-responsibility and um, self-assurance. And the biking was uh, different in that it was just me and another guy, a good friend that I met while hiking. And uh, we went from Oregon to Maine, and uh, it took us two months, but we basically didn't have any money. He was just about to go to college, and I you know, was just recently out. So and I worked at Pizza Hut to save up money for this, so we were, it was pretty tight as far as how we were going to do this. And so we decided that we wouldn't pay for um, camping unless we were, like, in a national park or something. So, like, through Yellowstone, we picked for camping. But the rest of the way, we just knocked on people's doors at the end of the day and introduced ourselves, said what we were doing, uh, and asked if we could sleep in their yard. We were self-sufficient um, as far as, like, we had tents and stoves and all those things, so we could we'd cook our own food and, and, and just supply our own shelter. But we just needed somebody's yard so that we could have a free and, you know, safe and legal place to sleep. But it was that experience of um, trying to figure out, like, where should we go to ask? Like, which part of town should we go to ask? And, and we would, you know, we relied very heavily on maps for that whole trip because it was not any sort of a, a route that we were following. It was just kind of, we were just kind of making it up as we went. And so through that, we were looking at maps and we would talk about towns from trying to decipher the sort of codes that are in maps. And so... Um, which part of town we thought would be good. Um, you know, should we look before town or after town? 
um, you know, what type of town should we try to stop in? And, and there are, you know, those different different codes that are in maps. And that experience of really investing in that language, uh, and I think very obviously now, is, is part of my work since I do really like having on maps within my work. Sure. And I'm just kind of curious then, in terms of documenting these experiences, was that, was that something that was important to you, or was it something that was more like a meditation or reflection on these experiences while you were doing them? Like documenting while I was doing that experience? Well, I mean, you know, obviously like photographs. I mean, do you do any like journal writing in terms of, I, I don't know, I'd imagine, for example, like well, how long did it take you to hike the Appalachian Trail? Uh, so I did it in two different chunks. So I went to Harpers Ferry and hiked south, and then a few years later I went to Harpers Ferry and hiked north. Each one of those was about three months, so that was a total of six months. I didn't really keep a journal. Um, the second trip, I was much better at documenting just through photography, but all of that was just like for memory keepsakes. Like I didn't, I didn't translate any of that experience into an art practice, um, and so I, I kind of saw that as a as a different experience that I was having. So I just I saw it in a different context. Sure. Uh, and the same with the biking. I took a lot of photos, um, but those photos are just meant to be uh, almost like a, a memory keepsake type of thing rather than uh, anything that's really translating into my work. I, I feel like it was more of the practical experience of it that, and, and learning that and, and becoming much more intimate with that language of, of maps and how they reveal information, how they can distort information, um, and and learning more about that language was as far as with my artwork, that was more significant. Sure. Sure. Well, and, and so, you know, in, in this break then, um, were you also making work after, after, you know, undergraduate school? I'd, well, I'd imagine since you applied to graduate school and got in, there was probably a portfolio. So I'm guessing the answer to that is yes. The answer. Yeah. I mean, I definitely kept trying to push myself. It was, it was a struggle. Um, it was definitely a struggle, but because uh, I think it's difficult. I feel like I, I, I the school I think could have. I didn't take advantage of my undergraduate education as much as I could have, and so I, I felt a little unprepared when I graduated. And, and I feel like it's more my fault than anything else. Um, and so it, it took me a couple of years of. Yeah, I could kind of took classes here and there. Like I lived out in Portland, Oregon for a while. They took classes at Portland State. Um, you know, I met artists, I would have conversations with artists and I would continue to try to challenge myself. And, and through that time, I, my work shifted from representational and, and more kind of traditional approach to ideas of painting to, I, I kind of felt like I just naturally progressed through, you know, our take on art history this very, you know, our very Western view of our history of, of the movement from representation into abstraction um, and the kind of Greenbergian idea of art history, um, I feel like I kind of had to go through that myself and then came through this other side to where things are at now. Sure. Well, and so, you know, what was that like then in terms of, you said there was one other art major with you. Um, so what's it like when you, when you decide, when you go back to graduate school and you're, you're not in a, not in such a small department, that's for sure. You know, when I went to grad school, I was completely ready for it. So, um, I, I was like fully ambitious and I, and I feel I was mentally prepared for taking full advantage of it. I mean, I was a little bit older then, um, than what, uh, a lot of the students, uh, I guess not a lot, but, uh, you know, a number of students go just straight from undergrad into graduate programs. And I, I had a different mentality as far as trying to suck everything out of that program that I could. I think I probably drove. Um, a lot of the other students a little crazy with that um, ambition, but um, I was very serious about being a student while I was there. Um, and so in that regard, I felt fully prepared. And, and I've lived, you know, I mean, I grew up in very small towns and I went to a very small college, but after that I lived in Portland, Oregon and Portland, Maine. Um, I had a strict rule on only living in towns called Portland for a few years. And, uh, and through that, you know, I, I became much more accustomed to larger communities and, and learning how to take advantage and survive in that. Sure. Well, and, and what was your work like when, when you started them, you know, in terms of, you know, what it looked like and, and you know, so we can get a little bit of a sense of, of how it transitioned into, you know, what you were, what you left there with. Like when I started grad school? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, it was, uh, I think it was you could, pretty heavily influenced by some of the abstract work that Gerhard Richter has been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just really kind of pushing pain around, but um, not within a, how do I, how do you put this? So what I was doing was really building up layers of paint and kind of carving back into the paint and using a lot of different tools to sort of push the paint around and, and make a, a surface that was very simultaneously minimal and um, kind of overwhelming as far as the amount of marks and scratches and, and scrapes of the paint, but at the same time a very kind of minimal approach to uh, the color and sort of surface quality. And, and was there something that kind of set off, um, I don't know, that you look back on now, something, something, some aspect of it studying along the way during that time that just kind of set you off onto the path that you're on now in terms of, you know, the, the way that you're, you're, that you're thinking about your work and, and processing it? Well, when I was working that way, I was, I was very much thinking of these marks as forms of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and and as they continued to develop, and as I got um, just more experimentation, they started to feel more map-like to me. And so, I, I feel like the work I was doing before grad school um, has a lot of overlap with the work I've been with some of the work I've been doing since grad school. But there's, but what I learned through grad school was um, fully how to articulate and get after what it was I was truly interested in. And so it's much more present in the, in, in the work I've done since then than it was in the work before. But I, I can see very strong similarities as far as thinking about um, uh, information and formal qualities within a conceptual framework, but where um, now that conceptual framework is much more evident and much more significant. Sure. Well, and I think that's, you know, anybody that, that's a little bit familiar with, um, you know, that, that work that, that was before, because I know that you were pretty established, I want to say, or at least somewhat established out in Portland before you started graduate school. Um, you know, you really see the, the way that you've investigated all these ideas in different, different, you know, different ways. And so, you know, maybe, maybe before we get to the stuff where you're really hitting your mark, um, could you talk maybe about, um, I don't know, some projects or, or, or things that you did that you were, I don't know, just really kind of changed by, you know, for for whatever reason, for me, the the one piece that I want to think that pops out of my head is um, uh, a mapping piece where you had photocopied the same image, you know, like a, a ridiculous amount of times, or um, is there anything that you can think of in, in that kind of um, period of time that just kind of really kind of, you know, really shook you up in terms of thinking like, you know, I can really make it about this, or, you know, what happens if I push it to this extreme? Yeah. That piece is a good example of, of something that did do that. So that first year of grad school, I think for everybody that goes into grad programs, at least that I've worked with and that, and that I've um, studied with, um, it's, it's a traumatic experience that first year um, because you really have to rethink everything you've done. And these things, you've kind of figured out a few things, and suddenly they're fully under attack um, in a way that you need to really... Uh, um, sort of renegotiate how you're thinking about those different ideas. And so, you know, I struggled tremendously, I think, through that first year. Um, but I, I just tried to always take it on and, and try to find some way through it. And so I think it was um, in the spring of that that first year in grad school. And this, this might be all, like, romantic and phony now. I don't know. It's been a little while. Um, but uh, so I just suddenly got the idea that um, the work I'd been doing, it started to feel, it was still kind of abstract. It, was, it started to feel even more kind of like corporate abstraction, which I was not at all interested in heading down that direction. Um, and so I just suddenly got this idea to draw a map of Portland, Maine um, from memory and just see how accurate I could do of my neighborhood. And so I drew it as best as I could. I knew where I was wrong and I I know there are many places where I, I don't even know that I was wrong, that it was just inaccurate. And it was all drawn by hand, so like the scale was totally off. And it was um, just a very, uh, I thought, an interesting idea of how uh, memory starts to distort things. And then I wanted to compare that to how a machine 
can also start to distort things through this idea of kind of rehashing memory. So I photocopied that, and I photocopied that, photocopy, and I did that, and I and and it was through this process that I I suddenly started to see this uh, the my interest in systems start to show up, and so uh, I photocopied at the same number of days that I had been gone from Portland, Maine, and I can't remember what I think it was like two hundred and thirty days or something. Um, and so by the time that it had been photocopied, you know, the, the time that like the 229th one was photocopied to become the 230th one, uh, it was so completely just gone, the image was completely destroyed in it. And that got me very excited about um, something else sort of driving the work, like sort of setting up a set of rules and, and having that very creative process of finding these rules in it. And it's sometimes very intuitive process of finding these rules, but then fully just following those rules and not deviating from that and just see where the work goes from that. It's it been something that's very interesting to me. Well, in, I mean, was there anything, I don't know, in terms of, it, seem, it seems like then you can really look at it as, um, you know, I've got this idea about, you know, this system that I want to talk about or this repetition or, um, you know, this pattern, this mapping. I mean, um, is there any real sense of then what kind of materials you want to start using, or is it something then that you start, you know, just investigating a lot of different kinds of materials and different processes to, to kind of see how you can, I don't know, reinvigorate that, if you will? Yeah, I think it's more of the second one. So I think um, I, I get really excited about learning new materials and, and these new challenges, and, and I love, you know, uh, and I think this is kind of a common thing, with many artists, but I love this idea of maybe about to fail on something. Um, and so, like, setting up these uh, different parameters where I'm not sure it's going to work out, or I'm not really quite sure how to use this material in a way that I feel I can effectively get across what I want to get across. Um, and so that that sort of a continual challenge of, you know, it's maybe not going to work out, I really... I, I hate and love that at the same time. So it definitely keeps driving me, but it also, you know, makes me a little bit crazy. Well, you know, and I think we're kind of at that point that we talked about earlier where you were, you know, when you're, when you're kind of in this process in graduate school and, and really kind of starting to explore this, this idea of mapping and, and all these different routes, um, you know, it seemed like there, there's a, a transition too of kind of taking that formal language and turning it into this kind of system language, but, you know, some of them are, are very direct maps, you know, that overlay a lot of, a lot of different maps. And then, you know, some of them are these kind of maps that you've created where, you know, they might be like uh, all the towns that you've stayed in for a certain period of time. Um, is there, could you talk a little bit about the process of trying to figure out um, how to tailor that down, you know, so that you have, certain parameters or is it something where you really don't have parameters? And, and, and I guess, you know, cause I can see that a lot of these ideas are continued. I mean, this could be something that might still be in your work now where you try, where you're trying to figure out, you know, what happens if I do this, will this fail? I mean, is, is that kind of what you're talking about in terms of being in the studio and letting something have that potential to, to not work out? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's, I think that's accurate. Um, I mean, I, I definitely, um, bounce around between a lot of different materials and a lot of different ways of thinking about the materials. Um, and so, like, um, you know, trying to put this, like, clearly this piece led to this piece, which led to this piece sort of narrative on, on my practice is always uh, a little bit difficult. Um, and and it, it seems like more of, uh, of where I, I kind of do this thing and then I shift over to this thing. And then suddenly, a year later, I'm back to this thing I was doing a year ago and taking it in a different direction. And so it's um, it feels very kind of uh, sporadic in certain ways, but there's this continual, uh, I think, a very clear, consistent thread of, of concept throughout the work um, that just uh, that comes through in these different materials and different ways of finding... Uh, ways to visualize this information. And the idea of uh, information visualization is, I think, something that I'm also very excited about and intrigued with. And it seems like it's a field that's growing, you know, dramatically quick. And taking that that language that, that's, you know, being developed in interesting ways and placing this within this context of 
painting's history and abstraction, I think is a, it's been a very interesting experience. Well, and I think that, that word abstraction is something that I want to tie so into the idea of mapping anyways, because, you know, even, even the, um, the idea of hiking a trail like that, you know, you get, a, you get a sense of something via looking at a map, but you don't really get a sense of the actual place. And so there's this weird aspect of it, um, I think, that, that takes place in your work, um, talking about that relationship that's pretty interesting. Um, and, and one thing that I want to talk about, you know, and I think it makes sense, well, we've got plenty of things to want to talk about, but um, what's, what's the transition that you go through then in terms of kind of working from these, you know, more memory-based type pieces, like the one that you described with the photocopies, um, um, you know, going into work that's a little bit more loaded in terms of, you know, maybe the implications that you have or, you know, if it's dealing with something like a corporation, um, for example, I mean, what, was there, was it just, I don't know, what's it, what's it like going through that process? I mean, was it something where you kind of look back on it and kind of be like, you know, this is very liberating because I've wanted to talk about these things, but I couldn't? Or was it like that at all? I don't know. Um, I don't think it was, it was quite like that. It was, um, I mean, I think that first piece where I started to really play around with the idea of a map, um, like a very literal map, the the piece that I did about Portland, Maine. Um, the, my idea of memory was a way into that and in, in a way that made sense to me. But um, I, I've, I've always had a reluctance to have work that's so specific about me. Um, I think partly because I, you know, I'm, I'll, I hang out with me all the time and it's like, it's not that exciting. <laughs> and it's, and, it's, uh, and, and I, I feel like it's um, something that, that I didn't want to just constantly be sharing myself in that way. Um, I, I was more interested in these these other things. And, and this isn't to say that I'm, I'm not interested in, in other people's work that's very focused on themselves, because I think there's some really great things that can happen by doing that that can open up into other people's lives and other people's ideas. But with my work, I wanted to find uh, this, where I was learning more about these things outside of myself. And so one thing that's been very enjoyable for me, and this is where it becomes very selfish, is I feel like I've learned a lot from this work about um, different institutions, about the way that the world is connected, about these ideas of globalization. I feel like I have um, a very different understanding of that through this work, uh, which I really enjoy. I mean, it forces me into reading different books, and, uh, and it's even forced me into traveling to places that before I, I didn't really think about traveling to, but now suddenly it's like, oh, how fascinating would it be to go to this place and have this experience, um, and how can that relate to my work? And so uh, it, was, it, was, it was more of that sort of interest. Well, and I think that's a good point, too, because, you know, one of the things that we, that, you know, generally speaking, have been talking to people, um, you know, about their practice is the way that they utilize research. And I think it's kind of a, a good point to maybe kind of even bring up. I mean, what what goes into them, you know, like in these in these layered pieces where you're, you know, kind of, you know, talking about the relationships between, you know, different places, um, like, say, in terms of military bases or, you know, um, connections between corporations. I mean, what what kind of research then do you start going into if you're going to, you know, be making a piece about BP, for example, you know? Um, I mean, I, I, I considered a fair amount of research. I don't, I don't, I certainly don't consider myself an expert on any of these, on any of these um, institutions. But um, I feel like I, I dig enough to really start to find where, how they're functioning or situated, at least how that's presented publicly. So, like, um, let's talk about the military pieces because maybe this will be easier. Um, so, the series of painting I did. Uh, paintings I did. I did four paintings, each one based on a different branch of the military. Um, although technically the Marines is not a, a separate branch, um, which is something else I learned, which is very fascinating. Um, but uh, so each painting was basically just two colors, and then it's you know it's just like these dots, uh, and it's a world map, but without any of the information of the of the world that we typically see in a world map. And so it becomes this very abstract, almost a color field type painting where you have these small dots within this, within this bigger, just solid field of color. And, um, but you can start to see shapes show up 
So depending on which branch of the military it is, you can start to see the shape of the U.S. becoming present. And, and I thought that was very interesting. Um, but so the research that I did for that was uh, basically I just dug through different websites and found all of the military bases that were listed that were permanent military bases. So I would look through like the uh, information on the Army. Uh, you know, on the online you can find all kinds of, you know, even kind of conspiracy theory sort of websites that would also list these different places. Uh, and so I would, I basically cross-referenced, I can't remember, like five or six different lists of bases to narrow down to the ones that were still functioning. So I would look up every single base to make sure it was still functioning because um, many, like many in Germany have been closed, um, you know, many in other countries as well have been closed. So, uh, making sure that I had accurate information for that time and making sure that I had this set of rules. One of those rules was that it had to be a permanent base. Um, and so while this was happening, Iraq was fully in, in the mess of things, and uh, I, I didn't consider those permanent bases um, at that time. So, you know, it's kind of setting up those parameters and then just letting that painting, you know, fall to where it was going to fall, just how it was going to look formally. And, and I, I enjoy that process of, you know, after following all of these rules in the system, stepping back and then enjoying it at a formal level and, and really using that idea of the formal language uh, to draw people in, to make a connection and to um, have a way that um, can even possibly create conflict um, where something can be um, simultaneously very uh, appealing visually. And, but at the same time, it might be talking about something that's not um, as easy to, to pinpoint as far as, is this a good, is this a bad thing? And trying to position the look in a place in between. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that's so exciting about just seeing you know, the, the bodies of work that you have up is that you, you really do do that in different ways. You know? And I, I'm thinking specifically with the, that formal idea, um, you know, like these, these uh, uh, topography um, you know, intergovernmental organization is, is kind of what it's listed as, but, um, you know, these digital prints of what looks like a, I don't know, you know, I think, I think something that someone, if they're maybe interested in some kind of minimalist formal art might kind of look at them and, and be kind of drawn into them. Um, but then I'm guessing there's a, there's a big process behind that. Yeah. So all of those are, I mean, that's, it's a very simple system on, on that, on that series. Uh, and so each piece is literally just the, the member countries of that uh, IGO. So if it's like uh, NAFTA, we'll say, um, you know, it'd just be the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. And it would just be the contour shapes of each of those member countries uh, layered on top of each other and based within the square of the format. Mm -hmm. So their size in relation to each other is, is, uh, is uh, no longer consistent. And it's based more on the square itself. And so you would have something like, um, let's see, uh, like Luxembourg would be basically the same size as France. Although, you know, in reality, they are nowhere close to being the same size uh, because it's based on that square instead. But the, the kind of the simplicity of that system, I think, is what has made that an interesting piece for me um, because then it, it suddenly talks about these bigger institutions and it, becomes, you know, some of these pieces become extremely complicated. And, like, if you look at the WTO, it's just like this mess of lines, and it's so dense. And it's it, and I feel like there's something interesting that kind of happens because I feel like an institution like the WTO is, it seems like a little bit of a mess. It seems very dense. It seems um, very complicated. And so uh, I, I like that relationship. I mean, it's a very simple relationship, but I think there's something that uh, kind of happens when you set that up against each other. Well, and, you know, what I, I think, you know, especially looking at that in comparison to some of the other, um, you know, the other pieces that, that, you know, still utilize some of the mapping, um, but, I, but I think are based more off of maps. Um, what are the relationships? And uh, I, sorry, I'll throw out an example here. Um, but, um, you know, even in the same category of the, the say, the military, going back to the military-based um, work, um, these private army 
images, yeah. which are, you know, again, they kind of have that, that language that, you, that you, we were just talking about, the really, you know, thin map line kind of language. Um, but then there's all these different uh, layers of text that, that are kind of included. Some of them are in different languages um, involving all sorts of different parts of the world. So what, what's that process like in terms of layering those up? Uh, well, so with, with that series, I um, wanted to look at a, a different side of sort of a military engagement because it is, you know, such a global practice that, you know, people are sending, you know, especially the U.S., we're sending our military all over the place. And so uh, so I, I wanted to look at the, the private companies, you know, like the famous one in the, that we know of was Blackwater. They changed their name. Um and so uh, I wanted to discover more about what they're doing. I was reading a book um, that was dealing with uh, ideas of mapping and, and this idea of uh, you know places on the map that aren't on the map anymore that have been erased from maps, and, and learning from that, learning from this this lack of information for different reasons. You know, like um, I don't know if you remember uh, how Dick Cheney had uh, pixelated the his house. Uh, on uh, Google Maps, on Google Earth. And so like, this, like these different ideas where suddenly information can be removed from, from these different um, map systems. So, um, but basically through reading this book, I, I learned that there are these companies that go to different countries. Uh, so there are U.S. companies that will go down to like, Central America, they will recruit people, and then they would send them to Iraq, and then they would fight, and they would just be you know, a hired military. And they would, you know, and their investment in it was strictly the, the people going was, I, I assumed, primarily uh, economic, why they would sign on for such a thing. Uh, and I, and I, that, to me, was very interesting to learn about this, this pretty complicated web of different places and, and different people uh, and and how they were tied together. And, um, you know, and I have strong opinions about it, so I try not to really get too much into my opinions about it. Because I want the work to not be about my opinions, but more about just this practice, this thing that's happening. And so with that, I, I layered images based on you know, the different companies that I would find that you could hire as private security. Um, and there was also a painted image from uh, uh, the uh, images taken from helicopters from uh, different battle zones in Iraq at that time. And then, uh, so different war footage that I painted on there, and then also different maps from the different countries that were involved. So generally, they would be countries that people were being recruited from um, that were then going to different places. Does that yeah. make sense? Kind of rambled. No, no, I, th I think it makes sense. And, I, you know, it's one of the interesting things about your work is that, it, I, you know, you can't help but get away from the idea that, um, you know, so much of it kind of... I don't know, like, it seems like you could really jump from one thing to the other, you know, because I think a lot of the issues are, you know, really um, maybe int similar interests, but then, you know, how do I resolve this in a, in a different way, you know? Yeah. In terms of, you know, something that's going to be more visual in terms of just a formal process versus something that's, you know, layered with all these different texts and that. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of curious then, um, you know, is, is there... Um, because you've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, wanting to kind of remain impartial. Do you think that, you know, maybe certain bodies of work um, balance that out in different ways? Because you might have something that's a little bit more, um, you know, specific. You know, I'm thinking of specifically, you know, the shell logo is very identifiable, um, you know, versus one of these other pieces, which might be, you know, these outlines of all these different countries, you know, layered over the top of each other or all of these paint blips. Um, do you think then... I don't know. Is it something where then, when you're showing these, are they are they separate entities? Um, are there you know certain things that you feel activate that for the viewer more than than others? Um, I mean, I think there is always a pretty clear consistency between the work, and and, it, and I don't think that comes through visually so much, um, but I do think it comes through conceptually. And so when you know through exhibitions, I I enjoy the variety that, that um, by putting these different pieces together that take very different strategies towards looking at these very similar things. Um, I think that it, it gives a, a different level of complexity to it. So where, 
it doesn't become like one kind of formal trick after, and it's just like the same formal trick throughout all of the pieces. It, and, and it becomes more of this uh, investigation that's both about um, sort of these global connections that we all are experiencing more and more every day. And, and then also this very kind of formal exploration of painting and finding this, this sort of space in between to where um, this formal exploration can also have with it this very kind of um, loaded loaded in a way that um, we bring our own baggage to it, right? So, you know, like the, the military pieces, it, I don't put that up there to say the military is good, the military is bad. I don't, I don't try to have any of that in the work. Um, and it's been interesting to watch people approach it because immediately there is always this, uh, this sort of uh, interest in the formal qualities, um, if assuming that somebody is open to, you know, kind of abstractions language so so somebody can enter the piece that way and then once they learn what it's about or once they figure out what's going on um you know suddenly uh they have very different reactions and some people were super excited about it some people feel um like it makes them uh, I, I mean i'm kind of making this up but i assume makes them feel safer makes them feel um secure and and other people had you know a very opposite reaction of you know, I, I can't believe that, you know, seeing it as a kind of imperialistic sort of a, a viewpoint. And, and I think, to me, it's interesting to try to get the work in that space in between, regardless of what strategy, like as far as formally that I'm messing around with. Sure. Well, and, you know, it's, um, well, it's interesting because, you know, um, being, being in a particular environment might be something that would change that as well. You know, between someone that might see your work um, here or there, you know. Uh, like a formal gallery setting versus, um, you know, something that would be um, more embraced towards the public. Um, and I noticed that there's maybe uh, one work that I, that I know off the top of my head that, um, you know, looks like it's involved in, in, in that, that space, the public space outside of the gallery. The, um, um, this, uh, it looks like, a, a, like a, a shelter that has a big map printed on top of it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a bus shelter. I um, designed the graphics for it here in Boise. And is that? So, I mean, is that something too that you kind of consider in terms of um, reaching a different audience, or or maybe one that might not typically enter the gallery space? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think um, I'm I'm very curious about public art and about um, and how it can function very differently than what can many times be a more secluded environment of a gallery or a museum. Um, and so I, I'm actually, I just finished, uh, and they're about to install a, another bus shelter here in town that I designed the graphics for as well. And I have a show, not to self-promote, sorry about it, um, but where it's, uh, I have a show right now down in Reno, uh, Nevada at the courthouse in their gallery there. Um, and so, uh, that's also, you know, within this sort of public realm, a very different realm. And so I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I still feel very new to this realm as far as getting my work into this and into this audience. And so I'm, I don't really know what to think about it yet. But um, I'm, I'm still very invested in seeing where that can go. Sure. Well, and and I think it, you know, obviously forces you to have to make some some changes or, you know, try different strategies to see, you know, even even things that maybe people don't consider, you know, when doing public works is something like cost. You know, right. I mean, how do you so, make something large that's going to impact someone that <laughs> isn't going to take you four months to do? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And something that you need to get approved. Sure. Which is also an interesting challenge. Well, and, and so just to kind of uh, uh, clarify a little bit, too, because I, I think we've kind of talked about um, talked about this a little bit, but, you know, there's a lot of layering going on in, in your work, you know, in a, in a formal sense. Um and I think that if you follow out, like even like the topography prints that we we're talking about, you can really kind of see the way that those are kind of layered up. But um, you know, some of the other works, um, you know, might might also do that in, in that more formal language that you that you're using as well. And so I guess I I'd be remiss if we didn't um, just explain that process a little bit of um, you know those those mapping pieces with all the different layers. So could you just explain a little bit about how those how how those are uh, resolved before we uh, Maybe talk a little bit about the residency that you just did. Sure. Um, you mean like just technically how I? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, those were done, I think, for the most part, those were done with glue and screen print and painting. And so basically, uh, I would lay down a couple layers of glue, and, and I found this, you know, they, they quit making it, so it's really kind of heartbreaking to me, but Titebond used to make this white glue that was like $10 a gallon, which is just so amazingly cheap for, you know, art materials. And so, um, but basically just laying down layers of that and then screen printing an image and then layering more, you know, two more layers of glue, then another screen print, then two more layers of glue, another screen print. Um, and basically all of them had, I believe, four layers of images. Um, you know, parts of this were sometimes painted. It depended on what was going on, but it was primarily screen printed. And so through that process, though, and the way that that glue would dry over time, um, it would become, you know, it becomes more opaque the thicker it gets. And so the further in that layer is, the harder it is to start to see what's, what's happening. And um, for that process in relation to what the work was about, and, um, and that's part of the reason why I chose to do that with these military pieces, the private military as well as these corporate pieces, is because there's always a sort of murkiness to some of these activities. And, and there's a lot of information that isn't, revealed and, and, and isn't present and that's um, hard to decipher. And so having, you know, some of that information start to disintegrate as far as our ability to be able to see it, I thought was an important part of the, of the process to get after the ideas of this sort of uh, either global economy or however you want to define that. Sure. Well, and, and again, I mean, I think just kind of highlights the differences between you know, the types of challenge that we're, that we're just talking about, you know, working on something that's a, a, a small, maybe a smaller scale, um, has all these different layers, and then and then something that's going to be, again, more that, that something that's going to be perceived on the street or in a, in a public place. Um, and again, I think reinforces that idea of just having all these different avenues where, where you can really kind of explore. So, it, you know, it, it makes for some interesting work. Um and, and so, you know, to, to kind of uh, maybe start to kind of come into the most most uh, current stuff, and again, maybe you maybe you have a bunch of stuff that is not on your website from this residency, but could could you talk a little bit about that experience that you just had um, coming out of that? You know, where it was at, and yeah, all that. So, yeah, I haven't updated my website yet. I, I'll try to do that over this this weekend. Um, but the work actually hasn't been fully completed from that that residency either. So. Um, but so I just spent the summer, I spent the past two months in Yerevan, Armenia, uh, with a residency called uh, Art and Cultural Studies Laboratory, um, which is a fascinating experience. Um, definitely enriched the way that I'm thinking about these issues that I've been, that I've been kind of exploring. Um, and so basically for two months, I lived in a, in a very kind of dormitory setting in a, in a suburb of Yerevan. Um, and I uh, just kind of uh, explore different ideas. And the, the project that I'm actually most excited about, that I'm just about to start actually fully realizing, like it's, it's fully developed now, just needs to be kind of created. Um, it was uh, one of the first things I noticed in, in getting to Yerevan was uh, all over the place there are these awnings and umbrellas, and, um, like little tents, for Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Like, they were everywhere. It was astounding how many there were throughout the city. And I remember seeing that, like, one of the first things I saw, even when I get into the cab to head to the school, right after I land, I mean, I, I, I saw some of those on the street, and it just, you know, immediately you see this connection between, in this case, a post-Soviet country that's shifting into this more market-based economy, um, and it happened for the past 20 years, and, but you see these American companies that are, you know, flexible and able to become part of the culture now, and and uh, and, and very present. And so, um, what what I ended up doing um, was uh, I, I met the faculty and the students at a Yerevan Open University, um, and and they were really wonderful people that were very welcoming, and they um, I I. Uh, did a collaborative project with the students, with the number of students. I think we ended up with I got eight students to help me out. And we walked around the city center of Yerevan, and we mapped out where every single Coca-Cola awning was and every single Pepsi awning was. Um, and
and even were specific to the basic size and to the shape. So if it was square, that was recorded. If it was a circle, that was recorded. Um, and, there, and so then I translated all of this information that we gathered as a group, and I'm developing these two paintings that will be just um, uh, basically just kind of colored fill paintings. They'll be similar to the military base paintings as far as um, formally, to where it's going to be just, it's, both of them will be white ground, and then one of them will have these small little red circles and square on it, squares on it, and the other will have little blue circles and squares on it. So obviously Coke is the red and Pepsi is the blue color. Right. And, and so the, the thing that's exciting to me about this project is that this is the first project I've done where it really involved people in a different way, and it involved walking, it involved recording. It wasn't sitting in front of a computer and digging through like somebody's you know, quarterly report to start to figure out different financial statistics or whatever. It was um, actually very much hands-on. So there was an intimacy to it that I, it won't really come through in the work, I think. But I think as far as the process of creating it has been really re- rewarding. Is that something that you, you're considering in, in terms of exploring in further bodies of work and in terms of incorporating, at least in that aspect of it, more, um, I guess, more people on the ground, if you will? <laughs> I would like to, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a it's a very different game when you're trying to work with a lot of people. Um, so there are different logistics to it, obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that kind of um, sort of very localized approach. And that's like that seems like very localized to me. Um, but at the same time, it's about something much bigger than the local situation. And I think. Um, it is definitely something I'll continue to explore, but it's probably, you know, most likely of thinking of the way that I seem to be working. I'll bounce around from it, so I'll kind of come back to this at some point, I'm sure, and dig into it somewhere else. Sure. And, well, and it's interesting to me because it really kind of points out that idea of, um, you know, just not, you know, being being an uninformed um, or at least realizing that there's all these different layers to something, you know, which is a theme that you talked about earlier and certainly your work talks about is all these different things that are going on that you might not be aware of. And so it's interesting that that, that process at least kind of feeds that idea of, you know, very literally going to a place that might seem strange and, um, you know, having to work, um, with people in that environment. And, um, I don't know, it's a, it's an interesting process to hear about. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was a very enjoyable, uh, experience. Absolutely. So, well, and you know, just just because we're we're kind of closing up on on uh, our time here, um, just have a couple of other things. But you know, one of the things that's interesting to me is uh, being in this environment. Then, um, what was the what was the other art like in terms of uh, where you were at? Was like it, in in Armenia? Yeah. Um, well, I think Armenia seems to be kind of struggling and, and kind of transitioning, and I, I certainly don't think I'm an expert on on Armenia in, in any way. I, I feel like the, the work that I saw, um, there's some, definitely some very engaged uh, artists that are doing some very interesting work. Um, you know, I, I met a few people that I actually had represented Armenia at the Venice Biennale over the past few years, and, and, you know, both of those guys that I met were doing, I thought, some very interesting work. Um, I think the more common work is a little bit more traditional um, a little bit more conservative, and so in, in that regard, there there seems to be a um, a, a challenge um, where I think the the community that's very engaged in sort of the international art scene, if you could call it that, sure, uh, seems to be shrinking a little bit there. Um, but I don't really know. I mean, I I I, I know the perspective of, of some people that I that I consider friends. And um, and I got to experience the city kind of through their viewpoint, which was really a wonderful experience. Um, but at the same time, I was only there for two months, so I certainly couldn't give you like a "this is the way that it is" sort of. Sure, time. sure. Well, and uh, again, um, I just maybe I maybe I didn't uh, phrase it the right way because I, I usually like to ask people about you know something that they've seen um, in the recent in the recent period of time that's kind of informed. Um, you know, something that they're interested in just art wise. 
And so I guess I was asking more just from that, that perspective of, is there something that you saw over there that was just kind of like, you know, this is pretty amazing stuff. Um, I would say like art wise, like seeing in person, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't really have that experience there. I, I definitely had a lot of things like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, or, you know, and, and, but as far as like, Oh wow, this is like something that I absolutely am loving right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I would say the most significant experience I've had this year was, uh, down in LA in, in May going to, uh, uh, MoCA and seeing, uh, I think this show was called Abstraction After Warhol. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was called. Um, and, but just seeing, uh, like, I, I, I'm a sucker for what Mark Bradford has been doing. Um, you know, this is huge scale, like, filled with information, but at the same time, this very kind of, uh, almost abstract expressionist, uh, look to it. But, at, but when you really look into it, it's, it's, there's, it's clearly has very little to do with with abstract expressionists and there's uh, like the the scale of his work the ambition of his work and just kind of uh, how you just kind of fall into the work and you're just completely surrounded by it I, I found uh, very exciting alright well and, and again just got a handful of little non sequiturs that I like to ask so you'll just, you'll just have to humor me because I know that you're a big Deadhead fan I'm just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding there um <laughs> Um, what, 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 what do you, what do you get distracted by that isn't, uh, necessarily art related? Cause I, you know, I know that you designed all those posters when you're, uh, you know, younger. So I would imagine that music is something that's, uh, important, you know, um, music definitely, but, um, I'm, I'm a sucker for kind of cheesy science fiction movies. Um, so, uh, like yesterday I went to the, I've been out of the country, right? So I missed all of these movies from the summer. I want to go see Prometheus. Um, you know, I, I, I went to the Spider-Man movie, like those sort of things are definitely a welcome waste of time, but also a bit of a waste of time. Yeah, I hear you. Well, there's always distractions. Um, and again, maybe this is, maybe this is the part of the podcast that typically falls apart because, uh, it, it really is like those, those little things that I'm like, damn, did I ask him this? But, um. You know, I'm just kind of curious because, you know, you talked a little bit about, again, um, and maybe I brought it up a couple of times too, that idea of, um, you know, just not like a, like a false perception of something. Um, is there, is there anything that you've learned, um, in terms of like the, the course of, of all of your, your work and investigations and all these different systems? Um, is there anything that kind of stands out to you like above and beyond, like, um, you know, something that, um, people just aren't just aren't familiar with as, as a, maybe like a part of history or, or something that just gets kind of glossed over that is important in, in terms of seeing the world? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I do feel like when you start to visualize these things, um, you know, something different happens. So, um, you know, if we can even go to the, this, these pieces I'm trying to start now, uh, based on, Coke and Pepsi and, and Yerevan, um, you know, when you actually visualize how many awnings are just in the center of the city, so we only did one section of the city, um, it's overwhelming when you really see them all. Like when you're walking around, you know, you see, oh, there's eight on this block, and then, you know, there's a big cluster over there, that cafe. Um, but you don't see the totality of it. And so I feel like that changes the way that, that I think about these things and and definitely the people that were involved with this, when I would show them how it was coming and, and we would start to see this become becoming visualized, it definitely surprises you. It's like, I just, I had no idea that it was that many. And and those things, I think, are are interesting. I don't, I don't know how dramatic that is, but it's definitely something. Sure. Awesome. Well, um, you know, again, I uh, really appreciate you coming on. And if you could just... Uh Remind us again when that uh, show that you were talking about earlier is coming up for us to check out. That'd be uh, that'd be helpful. Yes, um, August. I think August twentieth is when it opens down in Reno. It's at Metro Gallery at the at the City Capitol Building, City Hall. Sorry, City Hall. Um, so that's 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 the one coming up. And I just um, had a show in Armenia at their Modern Art Museum. Um, right before I left, but that's obviously over. It, was there an autograph session? 
<laughs> no, but but there was a a piano player showed up, uh, a guy that I uh, got to know there. He's an actor. He came and he found the grand piano kind of hidden behind his wall. He played a song, so that was, I guess, as close as it came to uh, uh, any kind of autograph session. Well, and I'm, I'm sure just being in that in that kind of space is probably something that's pretty, you know, pretty rewarding experience in and of itself, you know? It was fascinating, definitely. I mean, uh, all of my experiences there, well, I mean, that's generalizing maybe a bit, but everything was just very like, uh, that's a, it's, it's, it's so different than my experiences here. Um, it's, it's a very different culture than the U.S. And, and this is by far the furthest away from the, from U.S. culture that I've moved in. So it was continually just kind of eye-opening. So like even the way that the museum functions and its role in the city, um, you know, it just, it, it felt very different. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks again for participating today. Uh, really appreciate you talking about your work. No problem. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Thanks again to Chad for joining us today. Of course, if you liked listening to him talk about his work, you like his work in general, you can check out more of it at chaderpelding.com. And again, contact him about any sorts of autographs, but especially if you've got any cool collaborative project ideas, maybe that would be a place to go and get him to, get him to come to a town by you. So if this is the first time you've ever heard a studio break, please remember that we have over 40 different in-depth interviews with artists. Again, it's a very practical learning tool to, to hear about all the trials and tribulations that go through artists in their studios, how they got from point A to point B, so it's a great teaching tool as well. And please, please share it with other people that might be interested. It's the best way to get the word out there, so please do that. Once again, in each of those blog posts, you'll find links to artists' websites, You'll find links to things like iTunes, where once again, you can go to that iTunes store, subscribe there, and just get updated with that each week. And again, we only have one one feedback from one Johnny Disco, and we really appreciate that, but we'd love to see more. Again, it just helps in terms of getting more visibility on iTunes, but especially anyone, anyone that's going to come across it can see, hey... This is something that's serious. There aren't some crackpots over there, so please leave us some good reviews, some feedback there. Of course, if you happen to be like a couple other hundred million people of the world, you can check us out on Facebook, so please like us there. Once again, we provide updates anytime there's a new podcast, anytime there's some new work by a previous guest, or perhaps a preview of an upcoming guest. So we'd love it if you'd like us there and leave us some feedback. Again, we always enjoy when we get comments and feedback from, from listeners and people that are visiting that page. So please, please say hello. Don't be shy. If you happen to like any of the music today, you can find that at freemusicarchive.org where they've got thousands and thousands of free songs. Hey, who likes paying for new music? You can go and comb through all of these by different genres and everything like that. Our intro song today was Austin Leonard Jones's Blue Hell, and taking us out is AP Vague's Unfinished Maps 2. So please go ahead and check that out. Lots of free stuff there. We've got a handful of announcements coming up for September 15th. Swell Gallery has a closing, or at least that's the last day you can see the Degree Show. It's in West Dundee. Please check them out on Facebook, Swell Gallery, to find out more information there. Now we turn to some openings. So, Horizon for the Forest opens up at Best Friends Gallery in Arlington Heights, September 15th. Once again, this is a curated project by Kendra Pates of Violet Poe Projects. We just featured her on the show, so please check that out. Highlight episode 3. But once again, that exhibition opens from 7 to 10, and you can find out more information by visiting Best Friends Gallery on Facebook and also going to violetpoeprojects.org. Of course, last but not least, Tall Tales opens up September 15th as well in Aurora. And the time is conveniently 6 o'clock. So once again, if you're traveling and you'd like to come and check out that show, it goes till 8. And we've got great artists for it. It's a great show, Tall Tales, talking about narrative. And again, that relates either directly or indirectly for some of the artists. But we've got Bill Conger. Ben Gardner, Bob Jones, Adam Mysock, John Reddington, Tim Roby. Again, a nice dynamic show. Should be a great time, so please go ahead and check that out. 
course, if you want to find out any more information, you can go to Studio Break's Facebook page where we have some updated information and directions and all that other stuff. So please go ahead and check that out. Lastly, as always, I am your host, David Linaway. If you have no idea what I do and you want to see some of my work, you can go to davidlinaway.com and check it out there. That's all the show we have for today, so we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you.